welcome to episode 17 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even your name. Oh, even our name. <laughs> we'll question your name. Uh, yeah, that's alright. I, I question your name. Uh, as always, I am your host, Michael Haig. And I am Sarah Lucas. And I'm Mandy Conant. What's okay. our topic um, this week? Oh, yes. Holidays, yeah. right? Holidays. 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 So we had two ideas for holidays. Okay. And one was to talk about how we deal with culturally insensitive or problematic holidays like Columbus Day mm. or tricky holidays like Thanksgiving. But we missed those holidays, so <laughs> we realized that what we should focus on is the other useful topic for holidays, which is how to navigate your family. Mm. So this is... Uh, very carefully. Sort of... <laughs> yes, very carefully. <laughs> and uh, there's obviously a lot of different ways depending on your arrangement so that's what we're going to try and get through is how we handle families for holidays oh i'm gonna throw this out here real quick i'm pretty sure i shared it or my mom tagged me but my mom throws out on facebook look mandy my reindeer are polyamorous and she's got two (laughs) female reindeer and a male reindeer like rudolph and whatever the girl's name is from the build-a-bear workshops (laughs) and she puts this picture of the reindeer up there She's like, look, Mandy, my reindeer are Polly. And I was like, that's my mom supporting in her <laughs> strange little way. Uh, look at her making so, fun of you and, and thinking it's cute. I really, like, I honestly think she was just like, you know, yeah, trying no, no, to no. like normalize it. But yeah, yeah it's, it it, it's just, just, it's so sweet. Like, it's, it's very sweet. I like it. Yeah. And then my <laughs> uncle commented. What? Even the holidays are weird now or something like that? Oh, why do you have to make the holidays weird? And my mom's like, it's not weird. It's just different. So- yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. That's, that's a, you made it to a good point at that point. Yeah, right. That's that's my mom being supportive at the holidays. All right. So yes. navigating the holidays. I think over the years, how we navigate the holidays between households has changed a lot for sure. And it's been really interesting because there's a lot of holidays are where I think you experience the most strain being polyamorous and non-monogamous because it's when you almost demand recognition for your other relationships yeah that uh, holidays in our culture are the milestones that show you where your relationship is at Mm -hmm. and your most families at least early on are gonna resist change when you show up you're kind of the freak show yeah yeah i've done things like brought a new partner to like a christmas said i want to bring my new partner to whatever that i have never been turned down for when i was monogamous Mm -hmm. but of course you bring your partner to christmas i mean if you partner wants to be in town for christmas she's going right to christmas. Mm-hmm. suddenly i'm like i have a new partner who's coming to christmas and they're like oh don't ruin christmas ah, and you're right. like wait why do you yeah. have to make christmas weird michael <laughs> right <laughs> how, how did how did it ruin christmas to bring my girlfriend it didn't ever ruin christmas to bring my girlfriend before right like, now you have two girlfriends i don't understand <laughs> yeah my family's the only family that we have local Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So if we celebrate holidays at home, it's with my family. They come over here, we go over there. I've always got both of my nesting partners. So yeah. the only time that we go separately to things is when we go to their families because like Jerry's not out to parts of his family. A lot of his family he is out to, but like his mother he's not out to. So and also, Ryan like when she's here, Ryan's our roommate. But also Ryan's not dating Jerry, right? So Right. To some extent. Right. 
And then, yeah. like, Jerry's never been up to see Ryan's family. Like, I admit, so. I would think it would require extra permission to bring my girlfriend's boyfriend to something. Like, uh, yeah, my girlfriend's that. boyfriend to Christmas, that would require, like, in my mind, that would make sense to ask extra permissions for, because that right. doesn't fall inside of the, it's the like regular ring. having your best see, friend invited to your best friend's friend. That's, that to me, sense. that's family. That's like saying, can I bring my stepkid? Like, yeah. no, that's your kid. You should be able, like, I, I just think that that's, it's family. If I'm invited to a holiday, I would assume that my family is as well. We had this problem two years ago. We went down to Florida for Thanksgiving and we were having Thanksgiving at Jerry's aunt's and Ryan wasn't invited. But he was down there with us on vacation, mm-hmm. but he wasn't invited to Thanksgiving dinner. He was specifically uninvited? Specifically uninvited because Jerry's cousin's kids were there and she didn't want to have to explain to her children <laughs> what was going on. Oh, goodness. This time. So how did you handle that? Jerry said, if my family's not invited, then I'm not invited either. If they're not welcome, then I don't feel welcome. And we didn't go. Aww. Yeah. Man. I think that's the standard tactic for negotiating those scenarios. That's what I have done as well. My my parents, I said, I'm, you know, I have two women that I would like to bring to Christmas. And my parents are like, well, you can't bring your girlfriend. I said, well, if she's not invited, I'm not coming to Christmas. Right. It just is not, it's not acceptable. They're family. But hold on. I want to push back on that metaphor. I'm not sure I'm, you're wrong. I'm just curious. They are family. That's true. But I would also think that it required extra permissions, for example, to bring my parents with me to my wife's family's house for christmas i think if they knew they were coming you know like not permission but like a heads up so there's enough food you know what i mean like i don't know that i agree that my son's girlfriend's parents get an automatic invite to my christmas when he goes up i don't know Mm. that that's an automatic thing if your son came to you and said hey dad girlfriend's parents are in town i'm gonna bring them to christmas you would be like, cool, like, I just need to make sure we've got enough sweet potato souffle for everybody, you know? For sure, it depends on my relationship with girlfriend parents. But generally speaking, I mean, I like throwing big parties, so I would probably say yes. But I know people who are very private. I know people who don't love just socializing with everyone. I know people who have small homes. I know people who have, like, it's just that normally speaking, you wouldn't just spring bringing additional non-related children even if they were family of yours extended family to another family function as a default invite you would discuss it is all i'm saying is you wouldn't just say yeah that's what i said you you would give a heads up for sure sure and especially this that was not the case at all mm-hmm. right yeah also i think the holiday matters i do because thanksgiving everywhere i've ever had thanksgiving they're sort of like oh random college students don't have anywhere to go that's a tragic bring them to this it's thanksgiving thanksgiving's about right. having tons of food and having everyone be here. And being around people, yeah. It's also the why, right? We're excluding him mm-hmm. because we don't want to explain it to the children. Is very different than, look, we have a certain type of family Christmas tradition and we don't want to have to adjust it for these people who we don't know very well or a very specific tradition for whatever holiday you're talking about. Is So the reason right. there is relevant as well, right? Like, or... I only yes. bought a duck instead of a turkey for Thanksgiving this year. I don't have enough to feed literally anybody else. If you bring him, he won't have meat. And I didn't know he was coming. Is a different. Right. Is yeah. a different. Or like you know, my right. my condo is twelve hundred square feet with five people in it, so I can have like six at my dinner table. So if you bring an extra two <laughs> people, yeah. then I'm just like, oh well. 
sitting on the floor. Sitting on the floor. Yeah. I don't have enough food. <laughs> I don't have enough room. We're gonna trip on them. Maybe not. It would make me uncomfortable potentially, right? So that I guess I meant more like the automatic yeah. invite. Like I have never even thought the thought. I need permission to bring my girlfriend to Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't really. Either. And I still hadn't thought that thought when I brought a second girl was going to bring a second girlfriend to Christmas. I was just letting them know, like, hey, by the way, I'm bringing these people, and they were like, mm-hmm. oh no. And I was like, wait, what do you mean no? We have to have this conversation yeah. now. And and that was right. what I was mm-hmm. sort of pushing back on is that I would not take it for granted that my metaphor was auto invited, like I would with a girlfriend. I would I would go to my parents and say I would like to bring this person the way that I would like to bring my wife's mother because she has nowhere to go on Christmas, that sort of thing. Right. But yeah. not in the same way that I would just assume that my partner got to go. And I was mm-hmm. pushing back specifically on the part where you're like it's like stepchildren because in stepchildren you have a guardianship relationship. So you are responsible for them and where they're going to be. And and children in our society occupy a very special and unique cultural space where they are automatically attached to anyone who's a legal guardian. So step-parents included in that grab bag. So not stepkids, but your cousin that rents the basement. He's family. He lives Mm -hmm. in the same house. You know, like, hey, cousin Joe's coming too. Right, but I would definitely still be having a conversation I would expect a conversation to say, my girlfriend's coming and she's bringing her cousin who lives with us with her. Like, I would expect it to be potentially a conversation, depending on holiday traditions. I would be willing to accept that that was a conversation. Again, the why is important. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that for the three of us, I think all of us would be like, oh yeah, sure, bring it. Yeah, for sure. I would let them come. I I would let (laughs) people I don't know at all into my house for Yule. Like, if you just, like, knocked on the door. I don't celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Yule, by the way, for everybody out there. There's a variance of uh, lots of holiday festivals. Obviously, all the holiday festivals this time of year are centered around solstice. I specifically celebrate the the Yule holiday. I would definitely, like, on Yule, be like, sure, come in, have food. If I have, I'll share it with you. Even if we don't have enough, I'll share it with you. But that's that's my own personal religious and cultural beliefs, and I don't automatically assume those for everybody in my family. And a significant variance for my family's expectations is something I'm more willing to talk about if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But you are right. I still, in the end, would say, well, I'm not going to leave my metamorph alone on Thanksgiving. I'm not coming. Right. That is where I would end up, but I would understand that that was a conversation, except for when they said, we don't want to talk to the kids. And they'd be like, okay, well, then that's not a conversation. If he would have been invited, if he was anybody but, my, like, if he's explicitly uninvited for being my metamorph, then we have a problem. That's not <laughs> that's, right. And that's, that's yeah. what it was, right. for sure. Right. And that, that would be like if someone was like, I want to bring my girlfriend's parents. And you were like, well, you can bring anyone you want except her parents. <laughs> then I'd be like, okay. And like yeah. I said, we were, we were in a different state, sure. too. So he would have been like at the beach house alone. alone yeah. Yeah. On Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, seriously? Right. Yeah. Right. That's not okay. Yeah, we were never going to do so. that. I don't know why you thought we were going to do that. <laughs> On the flip side, if I had been left completely alone for Thanksgiving, I'd be Pissed. Thank <laughs> <Seriously. laughs> like you guys. I would, because I would never do that <laughs> yeah. to people ever. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Right. He was just kind of like, "Wow, Jerry loves me," you know. <laughs> also, Jerry is just a good person. Because that's the yes. other thing is, I wouldn't even care if I didn't like my metamor. I would not leave them alone on Thanksgiving. Seriously, right. right? And of course, it's also about moderating how your family sees your additional relationships. Mm-hmm. Because what you did there is what I would say is basically the my engagement model for holidays, which is I think you absolutely need to set an expectation that you're going to be engaged with as if your family were normal for them. Because of course, normal is a ridiculous right. word and your family is normal. The hard part is how often people will take your needs as an attack. I think that's the thing that's really difficult to to balance because mm-hmm. 
my mom and I especially have a relationship where my needs often conflict with her desires to the point that she feels like I am attacking her with my reticence to meet her desires. Because you have enough time in your life to do that. (laughs) Well, like, so for instance, (laughs) my brother has these two gigantic dogs. And my mom and I, I bought a puppy, uh, a Lhasa puppy. They're tiny. They're like 27 pounds of fluff. You have a puppy? A Lhasa Apsu? Well, this was years ago. I have a Lhasa dog now. He's like 10 now. Lhasa Apsu. Yeah, Lhasa Apsu. That's what they're called. I want to see And then they bought his sister because he was so adorable. So I would always come over and bring my dog with me to see his sister and then they'd play. But they'll they'll just walk together with their like spines pushed together somehow. I don't know how they do it. They they, like, they school like fish. It's It's really cute. cute. I've seen dogs do that. It's so adorable. And I've never brought a dog to another person's house before. Like, talk about things you don't bring to people's houses. I don't think you bring your dog to someone's house. Like, that's a really... <laughs> not like, no, you do not bring well, your dog. Socially, that to me just seems really bizarre. It's typically, um, yeah, so not acceptable. My brother picked up a Vishla mix, which if you guys know anything about Vishlas, they're just insanely needy for their masters. So, like, if they're not around for, like, five minutes, they lose their minds. But the dog is also, Ooh. it looks like a deer. Like, size, shape running ability looks like a deer and it just is really into attention so like it just immediately slams its head into your crotch and then puts its head against your leg and just pushes you around the whole room with its head on your leg no matter what you do and i did not love having that dog come like and and i guess because i'd always been bringing my dog to mom and dad he's like well i can bring my dog and i'm like your dog is a deer like, it's it's giant, it interferes with other people. My dog just sits in a corner like a, like a mop. Losses, if you don't know, are super low energy. They just basically lie on the floor and do not move. So, like, my, my 10-pound dog <laughs> in the corner not fantastic. moving is very different than your giant running into me, moping, screaming deer dog Dude. that if we lock into the room literally screams like a child. <laughs> we lock in the room and be like, oh, you know, for forever. Like, and, and that wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. And then his wife was like, well, if you have a dog, I want a dog. And she went out and got a boxer mix. Who, oh, dear. Who is, <laughs> who's super high who is, yeah. uh, a rescue and as far as we can tell, the guy that used to beat him was a white man with a beard because he hates white men with beards. Which, by the way, I am a white man with a beard. Uh, so that dog just literally barks in alert mode nonstop when he sees me, like a fire alarm chirping because the battery's dead. So every two minutes, just like a pissed off chihuahua, you know. And that dog actually bit. That dog actually bit me. I was playing fetch. I was playing fetch with the Vishla, and he thought fetch was attacking it because apparently I am an abuser. And he bit bit my my um, calf really hard. And okay. and they continued to bring their dogs to like all the family events. And I was like, and we we used to have oh a weekly God. dinner on Sundays, and they would bring their dogs, both their dogs, every Sunday. I was like, I don't want to go to family dinner if I have to deal with their dogs. So they're just running around going insane all dinner, and I'm like, I don't want to come to dinner if these dogs are going to be here. My mom's like, I feel like you're holding me hostage and telling me I have to choose between telling Paul he has to leave his dogs home or you coming to dinner. And I'm like, I'm just telling you I am not safe or comfortable at your house with these dogs. And I don't enjoy coming to dinner with these dogs. And I don't understand why it's a big deal to tell my brother he can't bring dogs that make me uncomfortable and have literally attacked me. (laughs) Seriously. 
I think the people <laughs> like you are don't more... feel safe. Yeah. And there's just nothing <laughs> pleasant about being here when those dogs are in the house. And that was a really weird tension thing for a while because I was like, I'm not coming to dinner anymore if they keep coming. And she's like, you never see me and you're holding me hostage to this. And I'm like, I'm not like I don't I'm not a, I'm not attacking you. I just can't be around these dogs. Like they make me crazy. And I know that seems ridiculous to you. I don't know how that seems ridiculous to you because. Here I'm telling other people, like anyone I've ever told is like, that makes total sense. I don't know what they were thinking. But but just my one family is like, no, that was ridiculous. You were ridiculous. You were over the top. You were just really rude about that. And it's always funny because every now and then, like one major holiday, my brother like boarded the dogs so that he could be there and they wouldn't, he wouldn't bring them. And my mom was like, you should thank him. He went out of his way to not bring his dogs. And I'm like, people don't bring their dogs. I shouldn't have to thank him for like regular shit. Like... Thanks for not bringing your deers that attack me. Yes. Like I appreciate that. Like what? You vicious attacking deer. But but that was also sort of the thing when I was like, well, you know, if you don't want me you to know, bring my partners, I'm not coming to Christmas. Basically, is that that was the first conversation right, yeah. was that she felt like she was attacked, and so I'm I still haven't come up with a perfect solution to this, but my solution to most things is if you can manage the expectation before you start talking, your chances are better. So if you can open with, mm-hmm. want you to understand, I want to come to insert your holiday. Um, I'm just going to use Christmas for simplicity because it's coming up, and even though I celebrate Yule, everyone's mm-hmm. familiar with just saying Christmas, and so we're going to use Christmas. It's not about choosing a religion because that's not even my religion. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it is Christmas is my mom's thing for sure because Yule is the the celebration that Christmas is based on in the Western tradition. Anything that you think of, because my mom was like, "Well, what traditions do you want to do?" And then we can do the ones that aren't Yule. And I'm like, "So what? You're going to church?" Because <laughs> uh, the present giving, the guy that comes down the chimney, the tree, those are all Yule, by the yeah. way. Uh, none of those are Christmas. Um, <laughs> You've got a play about wise men, and you've got a lot of church. You've got a week of church leading up to Christmas. You've got church on the day of Christmas. Uh, Christmas means Christ Mass. It means going to church all day. Right. So yeah. if you open presents instead of going to church all day, you're celebrating Yule. But we're going to say Christmas because that's the celebration that everybody runs. That's what everybody calls it. Everybody calls it, yeah. 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 So the language, right? So what, what are your, how do we set that expectation? It's the same kind of language we use for boundaries with our partners, right? Mm-hmm. So this, I want you to understand that what I'm going to talk about is what I need and what my boundaries are and why I need it to be the way, like this certain way and why I'm not willing to do this other thing. Because last Christmas, I wanted to invite my girlfriend to Christmas. She was living here and all of her family is in Texas and she was actually living in my house. This is your, not your nesting partner? Your current nesting partner? Not my partner. nesting partner. No, this okay. is a different girlfriend. So you wanted to bring them okay. both to Christmas? Correct. Okay. I wanted to bring them both to Christmas. Well, and for sure, because, you know, in normative, monogamous normative culture, the woman who has children gets a special magical extra place. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents would, would literally freak if I brought a girlfriend and not Lissa. Ah. Like, I think that's even still true. I think if I was like, well, Lissa's not coming, but I'm bringing a girlfriend, my parents would not be <gasps> having it. <laughs> <laughs> Does Lissa know, Michael? Well, no, no, well, they know. Well, they, I mean, my mom actually listens to this podcast now, so. Oh, Ooh. hi, mom. She's, she's, an, she's an amazing, she's an amazing sport because I think every episode I mention something, I mean, that's just my experience. That's the experience I have to use. And she is a great mom. I don't mean to say she's not in any way. Yeah, but I, every episode awesome. I'm like, well, and then she does this and we have this problem. And, because everyone has problems with their parents, but not everybody gets to hear all of them on like right. the podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So she's she's very she's very understanding to 
to still listen and, and be like, I'm getting something out of that, even though I I'm Thank hoping you, that Michael's you're sad mom. every day. <laughs> so you, know, you, you try and try and frame it as much as you can outside of that space before you say. And so I would like to bring my partner, and if, you know, and then if they say, well, you can't bring your partner. You say, I'm not going to be able to come to Christmas, not because I want to punish you. It's not about punishment. It's because I'm not going to leave my partner alone on Christmas. Right. But it's also because I don't want to come to Christmas at a place where I'm not accepted. You either get all of me or or none of me, right? One of the things that both Thanksgiving and Christmas, which we basically celebrate Yule, we just call it Christmas, but it's about family to us. And if I can't Mm -hmm. be with my family, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how... It, you know, that's kind of how we present it. Mm-hmm. And, and lucky, I'm, I'm really lucky because my mom has always been really accepting. See, I feel yeah. like I'm very lucky in that sense, too. My mom doesn't support what I do, but she doesn't, she supports me. I feel also that I've been very, very lucky on that matter, which makes me frustrated because I feel like I don't offer a whole lot of, like, depth of perspective on this topic because I don't know what it's like to have someone just say, nope, they're not allowed. Well, and that was sort of what I was going to say, which is we all have some good experiences, which is great, and we should come back to those, um, but we should focus on troubleshooting the issues that people may have and sort mm-hmm. of the, especially the ethical question about, you know, because the, the, this holidays got tricky because of things like, in the end, it's my parents' home that they're right. inviting people into, and you have the right to invite who you want to invite into your home. And so it's, I'm not saying that that gives them the right to say you can't bring your partner, per se, but that's what gets into the boundary language, which is like, I want you to understand that I respect your right not to want people that you don't want in your home in your home. But you need to respect mine. Yeah. It's a package deal. Right. But you need to respect that I'm not going to come without them. Yeah. Either because they're going to be alone, because it's just decency, because I wouldn't come if you told me I had to change my hair or my mm-hmm. clothing mm-hmm. or anything else about myself. Uh, you know, or the way that I express or told, you know, dictated the terms of the presence that I could give that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't come because all of those are inappropriate levels of control that you're trying to exercise on me. Right. Like you can't come to mm-hmm. Christmas with your aunts and uncles because you need to take all your piercings out first. You know, that mm-hmm. correct. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. But it's but again, it's not a punishment. Like I am also really sad that I can't come to Christmas and I really want to come to Christmas and I really want to share with you. And in fact, the whole point of bringing this person is that I want to share them with you and I want mm-hmm. to share you with them because mm. I love all of you mm-hmm. and to try and build that bridge. So they understand that it's, you're coming from a place of caring about everybody, not just this new person. Cause I think it often feels to them like I'm choosing this new person over them right? You know, or something like that. Right. And those are also the scripts and the logics that our world is steeped in. The whole basis of monogamy is a script of that. When one person wins, someone else loses. That's mm-hmm. why you can't have mm-hmm. two winners. Right. And so a lot of people are still going to believe those scripts, even if they're not bought into them for a monogamous reason or, you know, what have you, so that it's like, well, you're choosing your them over your family. Right. Right. So I'm going to tell the story of the worst experience I've ever had, a partner, pseudo partner space, <laughs> to, to try and get into some of those weird nuances. So we were having, I think it was my, my son's birthday. No, it was my birth. No, I can't remember. It was one of those two. <laughs> it was his birthday. <laughs> There was some cake. <laughs> when he was like one, instead of having a birthday for him because he wouldn't understand it, we decided to have, and because I think we've said before, we had this great system where we actually did the whole village raises a child thing or before we even had kids. We went to my parents and we're like, we're not going to have kids 
unless you'll take care of them some number of days a week. Mm-hmm. And we went to Liz's mom and we're like, we're not going to have kids unless you will take care of them some number of days of the week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so now we, we have this great system where it's like, I have them some number of days, Lissa has them some number of days, her mom has them some number of days, my parents have them some number of days, and none of us are insane, and we all get a lot of time with my son. And he has this great, robust group of caretakers. So when he turned one, I was like, well, I want to do a thing where usually I like to do service stuff for my birthday party. So like I normally have a birthday party where everyone comes and I like cook a crazy like five course meal and and serve all the food and stuff to everybody. And sort of like thanks for being part of my life this year. Right. You know, so I want to do something like that that celebrated all the people that had worked hard. And in my mind, the focus on that was the gift part, which was the meal. Mm-hmm. And I had a person who wasn't really um, was not a partner yet, and in fact, explicitly was not a partner. And like they were working out some things with a partner that they had, and we were close friends discussing maybe being partners. You know, I had other friends at this event. Like I brought because it was my son's party. Mm-hmm. Like, I was having the party. I was hosting. I asked my parents if I could host it at their house because their house is bigger, but it was my party for my son. So I brought you know my live-in roommate who also takes care of him a lot. And I, you know, asked um, some other friends to be there. And this was the one friend they didn't know yet. And I didn't think that was weird because I've totally invited new friends to birthday parties or other parties that I'm throwing before. Like, that didn't feel weird to me. But I guess because she was an attractive woman, even though we had not yet really decided to date, everybody just assumed that she was my new partner, that I only cared about her and not any of them. Mm. And I spent all the time in the kitchen and she spent the time in the kitchen with me because she didn't know anybody else. And so they felt like I spent the whole party with her and they never saw me. And everyone was super mad about it. And then afterwards, my mom was like, why don't we have a new rule where you can't bring people that we don't know as their first event to a family event? And I was like, that's literally how normal people introduce people they don't know. (laughs) The way that you introduce a person you don't know is not... To bring them to a not family event, you bring them to Thanksgiving, you bring them to a party, you bring them to a birthday party. Like, that's how normal people introduce literally everyone in their life. (laughs) Yep. And and part of it was that for my parents was worse that they didn't know what her relationship to me was. Because they didn't know if she was supposed to be my friend or my girlfriend or... And the thing is, we didn't know, so I couldn't tell them. Like, it wasn't like I would have been able to say we're dating because we weren't dating at the time but why why would you have to define that for your mother and why would she need to know that right i think it's weird it's if i was single and i brought a female friend right that was that whole like you know we discussed a couple couple shows ago the need versus want like mm-hmm. your mother doesn't need to know that information she just wants to know it sure when there were also some disconnects in expectations Because I am at my parents' house two to three days a week. I spend a prodigious amount of time. I make all the time in the world if they want to talk to me while I'm there to talk to them. I see my brother all the time. I see him at least once every other week. We go meet up and have dinner and talk. I usually see him once a week or every other week on Sunday night dinner at the family's house. We do all the holidays as a family. I've found his dogs now, thankfully. (laughs) Well, he stopped bringing the dogs when I had my son because my son was unsafe around the dogs. So. Mm Mm-hmm. That solved the dog thing. Good. So um, now we know why you had your son. I know. I had my son just to not have dogs at family <laughs> events. So maybe it, I would not put it past vicious me. deer. <laughs> I can I neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so my mom was like, we felt like we didn't get to see you. And that was what we wanted from this party was to see you. And I was like, but you see me every single day. Right. To me, the gift mm-hmm. part was the meal that I worked 30 hours to make for everybody. Yeah. 
But they thought that the gift was your company. Yeah, and so everyone was like, the meal was great and all that stuff, but you were just not around, and so we felt slighted. And I was like, I see you all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's a thing where you read em- emotions into people. So like, my mom felt my brother was upset, and I called him, and he was like, I didn't care. I wasn't upset. That's fine. <laughs> it turned out he was not upset. My mom was upset. But it validates your mother's feelings if other people feel like her, too. Well, my brother, I do think, was nonplussed. I think he was a little confused. He didn't know who she was, and so... So that made it hard for him to know how to react around her. And I think my mom was reading his unsureness as... Well, I think we all read the emotion that we're having on other people who have similar looking emotional space. So like if we are upset and they're confused, then we read upset. Yeah. Can we go back for a second? Mm -hmm. You said that your brother didn't know who she was or what her relationship to you was. So he didn't know how to act around her? Well, he didn't know her, I think, was his thing more. He just didn't know her. Like, everyone else there, he knew really well. But I, I don't know. That's weird. I don't really feel like he was that nonplussed around when I brought Corey around for the first time. Or any of my other friends that are just friends. I don't feel like anyone was like, uh. But yeah, I definitely think that monogamous people, and that's a good question to answer for monogamous people if you're listening. If you want to know how to treat new partners of ours or people you're not sure, treat them the same way you would if you were not sure about anyone else's dating situation. Right. If your brother showed up with a girl that he identified as a friend but not dating, like, treat them the way you treat that person like although i do yeah, think people right. treat that person awkwardly i think that there is something in our culture i'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. good or bad or fair or not fair but in our culture where there's an expectation of understanding the relationship that people have and so if someone brings mm-hmm. someone and says this is a friend but you feel like they're dating that people act like confused or that there's something wrong with that yeah and i just don't get that like that was what i was gonna say it was like i don't i don't understand where people need to know your relationship status with a certain person to know how to act around them like act like they're a fucking person you know well, I, I think that's the answer is that the question is are you relating to them as a person or are you relating to them as an extension of the people that you do care about? right if you're relating to them exclusively as an extension of the people that you do care about then it makes a lot of sense to want to know what that relationship is so that you can relate to them appropriately yeah that makes sense in an ideal world i do think you would relate to each person you meet as a whole and complete person but i don't know that everyone has that sort level of social interest like my brother's a strong introvert and i don't know that it's Mm -hmm. fair of me to assume that he wants to socialize with every human being i bring into his orbit so a lot of his interest in them i think is what what they can tell him about me when you said the person being an extension of you and that helps the people around you know how to act appropriately with them Mm -hmm. what did you mean because i heard that means that they shouldn't hit on them no, 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 for sure. Well, no you know what I mean? Family. Like, oh, that's Michael's girlfriend, so I should probably not flirt with her. You no, know? no, well, well <laughs> she's my poly girlfriend, so whatever. But You're right. But my family's all super monogamous, so they wouldn't. No one in my family would flirt with like, right. with anyone that I had around. I don't <laughs> think. With um, their husbands or wives, even. Yeah. Well, no, no, they would flirt with them still. I think. Well, but. I just, I don't, what what did you mean by that? Because like I said, that's what I heard when you said it. So I guess I'm a little confused. Some of them are very culturally interesting and sort of specific that I don't necessarily understand, but maybe come from a certain place. Like my mom, I know, has this sort of, and maybe I get this from her because I know that I bond maybe overly deep. Well, I'm not saying, I don't like the word overly because when I was seven, we got a lot of therapy and psychiatry work done on my various disorders and such. And one of the things that the psychiatrist at the time told my parents was that I was prone to forming overly attached relationships, meaning far more attached than normal people. 
that I form so really just intense bonds. Attached. Yeah, that I so, form intense yeah. bonds. And quote, that that would be a problem for me going forward, which in a sense has been true in that it does often cause me a lot of pain because I treat everyone like they're my best friend if I'm treating mm-hmm. them at all. And then they don't necessarily treat me that way. And for years that hurt until I realized that they didn't owe me that treatment because I didn't understand why they weren't treating me that way until I got older, mm-hmm. which is that just not everyone does that. And I didn't, right. I didn't get how different everyone is. I mean, we all, there's some great line in a philosophy book somewhere that I forget, but it basically says we all start with ourselves as the template for all of humanity. That when you're six and you're trying to imagine what goes on in someone else's head, you only have your own head as a basis and you just assume it's the same. And it takes a lifetime, I think, to realize that each human's mental state is so incredibly different from every other mental human's mental state. We could all be our own species. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. once you start figuring that out, then it doesn't seem so hurtful that they aren't treating you that way because God knows what they've got going on in their world and how they treat people. Mm -hmm. But I think my mom has a lot of that, but didn't reconcile it the way that I reconciled it, at least. I don't know how she has reconciled it, but doesn't not the same. Like, my mom is intense. She actually keeps up with every single one of her cousins and second cousins. It's like 140 people. She sends birthday cards, yeah. Christmas cards. Like I think you said that it's before. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Every day there's a card going out from our house to someone and she knows what's going on in their life, what their kids are like, what they're like. I, I am just my my That's intensity for like a small number of people. Yeah. She has not that level of intensity. She takes that intensity and divides it because she doesn't have that mm-hmm. kind of intense relationship with anybody. But she uses the same amount of time and intensity um. I would apply and just gives it to Just this family it, yeah. group. Interesting. And so when you bring someone like a friend or a girlfriend, my house was the house where the kids came in and they were instantly like the new, quote, children of the family. But my mom, unlike mm-hmm. most parents, that legitimately mm-hmm. then treated them like children. So she will bond with people that I bring around like they are permanent lifelong additions to space. Mm-hmm. And one of the few barriers she's drawn around herself, and I think this is for her own mental well-being, and I do understand it, is to not do that with partners because partners are the people that you're most likely to eventually leave your life as compared to, say, friends. I'm getting better at that in a polyamorous setting, but even still, I'm more likely, I think, to be with someone that I break up with and then they're not around anymore if we broke up than I am to break up with a friend. If if a friend is Mm -hmm. close enough to me that I'm bringing him to holidays, you're probably just going to see him until he gets run over by a truck. That's not not ever going to change. So you can feel free just sort of to bond as much as and deeply as you'd like to that Mm -hmm. person. But most of the people that I've broken up with don't come to family events ever again. And so Mm -hmm. as a self-defense mechanism, my mom doesn't want to bond with those people if they're not coming back. And I guess maybe that's why I don't understand it is because that's not the way that I am. Sure. Yeah. So like I've definitely had exes at family functions after they were exes. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm not saying that I never would now. Right. I haven't historically. And again, less because I am on good terms, again, as far as I know, with almost all of my exes, monogamous and not. Uh, with a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. But for a, quite a lot of them, the primary shared interest we had was treating the relationship as an intellectual exercise. And with mm-hmm. the relationship gone, our primary shared hobby was gone. Uh, and so there yeah. just wasn't a lot of reason to get together, even though I have amazingly positive feelings for them outside of that, because what were we going to talk about? You know, mm-hmm. what were we going to do, etc. It's just less, is all I'm saying. Like, if you have a friend, it's always... Your friend is just mm-hmm. shared interest. And I've had this happen with friends. I had a friend that I had a lot of shared interest with, and he grew out of all of them, and now doesn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. And now I don't see him a tenth as much as I used to, and it's hard to see him at all because I just don't know what to do. 
he comes over and I'm like, you want to do something? And he's like, yeah, what do you want to do? And I tell him all the things. He's like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really do that anymore. (laughs) You know, that can happen there too. I just think it's more likely to happen with partners because people that you're attracted to will overcome a lot of space of not having shared interest. And so those people are just Mm -hmm. much less stable at a basic level since romantic interest is way more fragile than like other things that hobby interests are. And so Mm -hmm. mom has that very specific defense mechanism. It's one of those things that she never really had to enunciate because she had a guidepost for everything. She knew how monogamy worked. She knew what was acceptable on one side of monogamy. Mm-hmm. I never even noticed that she was doing that or that it was problematic to me because it just fit naturally into the environment that we existed in until I became polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Right. These are the kind of things that crop up once you become polyamorous that I think it's worth investigating because like you said, that's just a unique thing to my mom's personality. I mean, I'm sure there are other moms out there that have that or other people out there that are like that. But I can see from that perspective why you want to know who they are. And then also my mom's so funny because she you know the husband's always worry about like impressing the mother-in-law and mom totally has that for like dates she wants my partners to think she's great and so she's like if i knew your partner uh-huh. was coming i would have done my hair i would have put out the nice china uh-huh. yeah my mom's not like that at all <laughs> And everyone does get to choose their own image. And Mm -hmm. so how you present yourself is your own choice. And so when I don't tell you that I'm bringing a partner or a potential partner or a three quarters Mm -hmm. partner or someone I think is going to be a partner. A three quarters partner. (laughs) Well, you know, you got someone you've been talking to six months about being partners. You're pretty sure it's going to happen, but not 100% sure. But you're kind of hugging and you're kind of not kissing, but you're kind (laughs) of touching, but you're not. Yeah. You're cuddling, but that's uh, it right now. I, I don't know that I've ever gotten to that point because I move quickly. Now all of a sudden I want a three-quarters I, I partner. Move inappropriately quickly. <laughs> I know, seriously, right? Like, I want to know what that experience is like. Sorry. No, that's fine. You know, but so, and this is, this is one of the things I like about this, getting to do this with both of you is that I don't think I had spent enough time until literally right now thinking about answering that question. I never really asked that question that you just asked, which is why does my mom care what my relationship to them is? And it's not like I didn't have the information to answer it. I just didn't have a reason to ask it yeah to ask it yeah and i you know so i do understand why she wants to know at the time i was still not as open to them as i am now and so that was also going into it i had a lot of anxiety about telling them because i felt like if i told them it would be a big deal and i'd have to deal with it the whole time it'd be a huge thing Mm-hmm. And now I don't feel that way, even though, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was weird because, you know, after the interview and stuff, when it was all in the open about how everyone feels about everything, I'm like, well, I just now I just know. I'm not scared that you feel bad. Mm-hmm. I just know that you do. And, right. you know, so cool. We'll work through it. It'll be fine. And I think they've actually gotten better mm-hmm. since then. But even if they haven't, I've already heard the worst of it. So you're not going to tell me anything worse than it's a heroin dealer <laughs> when I bring someone home. So, like, cool. We're good. I will take it. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder now, like, what my mom assumes, because we've just never really had the conversation. She just treats everybody the same. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if she treats them all the same because they're people, or she just assumes I'm screwing all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Either way. <laughs> you know, like, well, she just treats everybody right? as one of my partners. <laughs> And that was part of the talk that I had with my parents afterwards, which was weird, was I was, I'm not, I was not dating her. They would just assume that because I brought home a really beautiful woman that I must be dating her, that I wouldn't bring home a really beautiful woman I wasn't dating. Right. You can't be friends with a really beautiful woman. Nope. I mean, not Not sarcastic. I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not capable. I just. (laughs) You're like, no, really, I can't be friends with a really beautiful woman. Just can't do it. (laughs) 
particularly not three quarters. Well, beautiful and beautiful is such a weird word because beautiful is one of those words like good, which yes. is a stand-in for things I like. Mm-hmm. So you're correct. I yeah. cannot be friends with a woman I find incredibly beautiful. Right. Unless we've gone over why we're going to be friends and not something else. Like, you know, if I'm like, I like you and you're like, I'm never going to be interested in you, then we can be friends. Um, but Mm. until then I'm definitely gonna Mm. be like, can I make that work? I'm excited. That's exciting. But, (laughs) but that's not, but not beautiful in the objective sense. Like a woman that my parents uh, find uh, attractive enough to be viable doesn't automatically mean beautiful to me or exciting to me or impossible to be friends with me. I definitely have a few female friends that they don't know that if I brought them home, they would, they would classify them in the must be dating category, I think. For, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, because of the level of attractiveness associated with them. Right. That's not always, obviously not always the case. I'm not literally dating every cute girl I know. You know, and and, and I'm bisexual. So if I even bring a female to my sure, she probably thinks I'm screwing them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. So that's the, you know, that's the kind of things that will crop up. And I think it is worth, because if you can find those things and you can empathize back with the person about them, I think if I had done that earlier than mm-hmm. I could have gotten to a point that both my mom and I were happy with with those relationships faster. I, I I had gotten to a point though, of course, because I mean you've listened to the interview with her, you know how hard it was in the beginning for me. So I got to the point where where I was shell shocked, basically. So I was at the point where any kind of negative reaction I just responded to with that's unethical, screw you, I'm out, hands throw up sort of mm. gesture. And as I said, I'm right. I'm not wrong per se, you know, that there shouldn't be a problem to bring girlfriends and and other partners and that is accepting me for who I am and I'm not doing anything wrong and I'm not putting anything on you and I didn't do this to you and all the other, you know, words, you know, things that came out in that interview. But on the other hand, there's still a unique person here who has unique interactions with the people that I bring into the space that she shares and it's still her house and there's you know, she has rights to her needs and, and comforts and stuff as well. And if you can find that ground, it's going to be a lot easier to get them to want to listen to what you're saying. I have always found that giving first is a much better place to go. Amen. It's a hard place to be in. Oh, well, it's a hard thing to do sometimes. Uh, but it's definitely, you, you win more. I found that I win more if I give first. Yeah. And, and you know, and the weird thing is it's all the same skills we use for dating. I really, and I guess now I'm going to have to go do this, mm-hmm. should go to my mom and say, what are your needs around being introduced to people? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that yeah. strategy. I you know, like what are, do what the are same your thing. boundaries? What are your comfort zones? And then when she says things uh-huh. like, well, I don't want people I don't know coming to family get togethers, then go, Okay, why? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we discuss this? Can we negotiate this? And then if her why was what it was, which is I don't want to bond with someone that I'm going to have to lose immediately after. So I want to at least know for sure that they are or are not partner material or potential partner material so that I can craft my interaction with them in a way that makes me feel safe. That's a thing I can do. I think I could do that. I could totally yeah. be like, this is a two thirds partner. Like, I could just let you know in advance what the what the level of, of thing here is. This is someone I hope will be a partner. You're right. You know, Do your hair, you. mom. Do your hair. I'm bringing over a girlfriend. Not only two-thirds. Do only your two-thirds hair. She's a three-quarters partner. Yeah. We got to sell this one. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously I don't think my mom had even examined her social interactions and needs that closely before. Right. I was just thinking the same thing. Like if, I, if I were to go to my mom and do that, I'm sure it's the first time my mom has ever been addressed about that. And I think that it would take her a minute to really 
form her thoughts and ideas into words and say, oh, well, this is really what I feel about this. Well, it's just like the boundaries thing, though, which is if you went to someone and go, what are your real needs? They'll, they won't just know. You have to work through with them. You have to ask the right questions. You have to say, okay, well, what do you need around this? And what do you need around this? And I think that's where hopefully listening to this podcast can be helpful is you can take this and go, okay, well, what are the big things that I need to know? Mm -hmm. When would you or wouldn't you be comfortable with me bringing a new partner? Do you need to know what my relationship is to everyone that I bring? Will that help you? And I can understand that helping. With my mom maybe thinking that I'm screwing everyone, I think she doesn't want to know if I am screwing anyone. Does that make sense? That might be what she would come back if you did ask her. She'd go, I actually like not knowing because then I can imagine no one and everyone and I just don't have to think about it. Right. And I think that's probably what she does is that she... Mm -hmm wants to assume I'm screwing no one and they're all mm-hmm. just extended mm-hmm. family. I don't know. Maybe my mom's listen could listen to this and and uh <laughs> and answer that. It would be That'd great be for her to comment and let me know if she thinks I'm screwing everyone <laughs> or not screwing everyone. <laughs> so so the moral I think to handling the holidays and having multiple partners is is, uh-huh. you know, just, I feel just it. communicate coming. it. Like, <laughs> communicate. <laughs> the two questions we always have to ask, how do you communicate? Right. It's not that communication isn't right. the key, it's yeah. that it's difficult. And then how do we communicate this in this situation? And then the second right. thing is, what are our ethical and emotional needs? And I think the best way mm-hmm. to avoid any kind of situations like we had in Florida or your birthday party is to communicate ahead of time. Yeah. Right. To determine, to determine expectations. Right. Expectations. Or to discuss expectations. Yeah. Right. Which, which hits on two of the things we like to talk about, which is one, expectation management, which is it's always easier to manage expectations in advance. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then two, emotional mm-hmm. responses, which is people tend to have emotional responses to counter-normative events and emotional responses elicit ethical judgment mm-hmm. and usually mm-hmm. wrong ethical judgments. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't know you were going to be there and that surprises them, that causes them to have an emotion. If that emotion is panic, they make an ethical yep. judgment that you are a bad person. Need your reactions. Yeah. They're going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their first impression of that partner. That's true. Sure. It's going to haunt. So I think that if you communicate ahead of time, mm-hmm. find out what their needs are and address them, I think that things will go a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Impressions will be a lot better. Acceptance is going to be a lot easier if they know what they're walking into. Mm-hmm. I think there's also um, an ego thing, at least for me, or again, maybe it was just a reaction to feeling attacked. But I think there was a thing where I thought, like, I shouldn't have to do this work. And and I say this a lot, but you don't, you don't, you don't, you shouldn't have to, you have no ethical obligation to do this work. Except However, that we live in this world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things where it, yeah. this work is going to save you work. Mm-hmm. So it's more like you don't have to do this work, but understand if you don't do this work, you're going to have emotional confrontations. You're going to have fights. You're going to have issues with your parents hating your partners and lovers. So if you're more interested in outcomes, then you have to plan on what outcome you want. Right. And sometimes it's not worth it. It's really a, a sort of a choice sort of thing. But if you have the response, well, I shouldn't have to tell my parents that because I wouldn't have to tell them if I wasn't monogamous. That's true. But you're also in for a fight. Mm-hmm. And you're creating that fight, right. and you should at least own that part of your shit that you you chose to start that fight. Yeah. Right. Yep. When it could have been approached a completely different way, and relationships saved. Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can say there's a lot of drama, because it's not like I lost my relationship with my mom. We eventually worked through it, but I mean, 
looking back on it now, I could have done a lot more than I even did do to make it go to be better, which is, you know, again, that's why we do this, because we believe that there are better ways to do things than the ways that we've done those things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why we want to help you get there earlier. And so you need to be prepared for that. And that even with all the prep work you do, people are still going to be able to have emotional reactions once you get there. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, some things are going to be, can be less comfortable too. I mean, if you get to the point where you do say, like, if you don't let my partner come, I'm not coming. And they say, okay, that doesn't mean they won't be resentful that they felt like you forced them, so to speak. Right. If you go to the holiday and you get in a situation where your partner's not being treated well or you're not being treated well or you're uncomfortable I encourage people to to speak up and to say, this is why I'm leaving. And to make sure that the people know why you're leaving. Don't just leave. Well, and calling out is a, is a shockingly powerful thing. It's actually really hard to learn to do. That when someone says something ridiculous, you can go, you know what? No, that's a ridiculous thing that you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it here's, sure you know, is a let's, skill. let's talk about why. I think a lot of the time we don't do that because we're worried that it will go really badly. But in my experience, it oddly very rarely goes badly because the other person also wasn't expecting you to do that and has no real response. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so a lot of times, yeah, <laughs> they're just like, eh. <laughs> And the other thing is sometimes I will, you shouldn't think that it's time sensitive. I think people think, if they weren't able to call it out when it happened, they can't go back and call it out. But a lot oh, of no, times... Definitely, like, call up your brother and be like, this is why we left. And, like, and I want you to know what an ass you sounded like. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's a good point. That's a good one. But the other version that I was thinking is I've had someone say sort of they have a turn of phrase they use and they say it. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right, but I'm not sure. And I take the time to sort of get sure and sort my feelings and come up with an explanation for why it's not right. And then, like, the next week they say it again, like, the fifth or sixth time. And I think there's a sense that, and I actually know there's a psychological trick, that once someone says something and it goes uncontested, humans are less likely to contest it going forward and treat it as true, Mm -hmm. um, which is a bizarre psychological trick. Mm -hmm. But it's not, like, just because that moment passed, you're done. Like, you can't actually say, and this is the language that I always use, so you said that originally X time, and I have been thinking about it ever since, and... It didn't sit right with me then, but I didn't know why, so I didn't want to attack you or say anything or have that confrontation because I wasn't ready. But mm-hmm. now that I'm ready, I've thought about here's it, what yeah. I think about that. And that diffuses the weight of the fact that they've been saying it uncontested in my experience and allows mm-hmm. you to have that conversation. And it, it tells them that you've th- put mm-hmm. thought sure. into it, that you're not just like knee-jerk. Hey, right, asshole. Yeah. You know, it's... And it answers the elephant in the room, too, which is, well, if you thought it was so bad, why didn't you say anything the first time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it, I think it actually, it actually makes some of those conversations easier. Like, even if you know why you hate something, maybe wait and do it the third time. Because mm-hmm. the fact that you had to think about it makes it sound like you understand better. Like, it's more understandable. <laughs> like, you didn't just say that, and yeah. I was like, you're a jerk. You said that, and I was like, that feels weird. Let me think about that. Yeah. And then I wanted to bring to your like, attention. You put effort yeah. into it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I meant the other. It makes you feel, it makes you look like less of a jerk, sure, but it also makes them feel like less of an obvious uh, jerk, right? Like, oh. like they feel like their behavior was more understandable if it took you two days to figure out why it was a problem, and then they, that it's, makes it's, sense. and then they don't feel dumb for not knowing it was a problem because now you're explaining a difficult thing because you didn't. Yeah, really either, now you're explaining yeah. a complex thing to them, and they're going, "Oh, I can understand your logic, and I can follow you and change my mind just like you did." And it gives them an out, like a completely mm-hmm. noble out. Whereas, like, if they're 
do something wrong and you're just like that's just wrong then they have to you know either bite the bullet and sort of stick with it which they often will again Mm -hmm. weird psychological trick if you call someone on something they're much more likely to double down on it well they get defensive yeah right well but i mean i mean double down at like they get defensive and there's we've talked about all the different ways you weirdly create these like heuristics that you use going forward but it actually increases the chance they'll believe a thing Mm. so when you say to somebody you're just wrong and you call them out publicly if they have to say the sentence which they almost certainly will no i'm right they will they will actually believe that more than they did before it's like they're convincing yourself mm-hmm. they're convincing themselves that they didn't say something wrong or do something immoral in order to protect their own moral com- uh, moral sense of self their self-worth basically their self-worth becomes at stake so you want to when you confront them confront them in a way that doesn't put their self-worth at stake which is you know, one of the great old rules of business is praise in public, educate in private. Hmm. So if someone says something that you think's horrible, unless it's literally harming someone else in the room, you know, so obviously you got to do the call out thing of someone like, I'm going to tell a joke about rape. Nope. <laughs> you are not. You stop <laughs> right now. you're not. <laughs> then you can just Dead move baby on. joke, anybody? No, 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 right. no, no, no. <laughs> no. That's because that's harming people around you. So if you're, they say something like, well, I want to come people to Christmas. You can't bring them to Christmas or we don't want to do this. You know, we talk about this in private for a minute or, you know, take them aside yeah. and have that conversation because they're way more capable of having that conversation alone than they are with an audience or where they feel like they're sort of at risk or at stake. And again, that's what coming back later does for me is it diffuses the emotion of the moment. It lets me really think through what I want to say and lets me make it not feel, but really truly be like, I understand why you would have thought that or could have thought that or how you could have gotten there. But it's still not a place that I can let you stay in good conscience with me in your life. <laughs> right. I think that's gonna have to do it, whether we want it to or not. Oh, and, and just you wait, listeners, because because we've got we've got some outtakes you aren't gonna hear in this episode that are secret. You'll have to wait and hear in the outtakes episode. They're good too. No one's gonna wait six months and remember that. But anyway, good luck. <laughs> uh, I can plug. Yeah. I can plug. No, it was just weird because uh, you know, like the one comment we got on why no one wants to listen to that is they were like, "Well, outtakes just sounds like it's not valuable." And I'm like, literally at the end of the episode before it, I explained it's all new material. It's stuff that was really good. It just, we record two hours. We can only use 45 minutes. Sometimes it doesn't fit with the rest of the material. Like sometimes it's confusing. Like we get on a really good tangent because it's in the middle of something else. Mm-hmm. It makes the thing we're actually talking about go off the rails. So I pull it out, put it to the side. And then when I can, I put it back in one of those shows. Maybe and we... We're just like, clips aren't interesting. I'm done. So I need a new name. That's what we really I need was to do. Just thinking, maybe you could do something like a mashup or something like that. Right. Oh, and they're fucking funny. Like... <laughs> I need to listen to it. Oh, you, it's you, so funny. You, you are one of the people that hasn't listened to my to the podcast. Only half of the people have. That's crazy. So, you know, this is funny. We have a perfect microcosm, right? Because 50% of our listeners have listened to that one compared to every other one. It has half the views of everything else. Even our freaking our uh, freaking cast co-host. yeah our hosts only half yes. of our hosts have listened I'm to it sorry, so, i'm red i'm well, sorry I, apo- I apologize random listeners you we're no better than you so i made uh, my whole I'm, office listen I'm, to I'm, the I'm, last three minutes of it <laughs> <laughs> nice um all right so uh yeah well um all right so next week we are going to come back and we're going to do the the specifics part of um, advice for opening your relationship as a since the story part we think was really valuable because it gives you this sort of real life on the ground experience. We're going to parse that down and try to get through specifics like 
what advice would you have for someone new who's trying to do this? How would you do that? So, bye, like, comment, subscribe, I share. Happy holiday season. Happy holiday, yeah. Yes. yes. Happy and harmonious, and hopefully not having to call off Good and luck. not yes. holiday. Yes. <laughs> Best of luck. Oh, now. Bye. Bye. bye.